Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. She turns to me, that perfume. We go upstairs to her bed. Sometime later, I'm back on the road. I'm thinking of all the men I've done in. Some of them I stabbed, some I shot, some I got down with my bare hands. All of them had families and desires and ambition, and I'd really like to say that each stands out, but if I'm honest, they all blend together. All those crooked faces and clenched teeth. But this latest one, this guy, in the end, I think I'll remember him. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. And this week I'm joined by a special guest host, Adam Sakura, back on the program. How's it going, sir? Hello, hello. Nice to be back, Andrew. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, and uh, this week I, I thought it would be fun to have you on to talk about the Human Target series written by Tom King with art by Greg Smallwood, the 12-issue series that came out uh, in 2022 and 2023 that... Uh, really leans into the noir, but then also shows one of your favorites, the Justice League International, in a light like they've never been before. Well, as soon as you pitched the possibility of this show, it rang as a slam dunk for me. Uh, for, for anybody who caught the earlier episode of Back Issue Bloodbath we did, where we discussed basically the uh, introduction of Justice League International to the world in the 80s, this is kind of a nice bookend to that episode, folks. So if uh, you like what you hear today, you might want to look that one up. But uh, yeah, we get to revisit a lot of those characters again with uh, a bit of uh, a 2023 spin on them. But at the same time, the flavor of this uh, limited series kind of goes a little retro and noir. Wouldn't you say, Andrew? Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, uh, again, they take the human target and they add in the Justice League International, but it's a black label title, so that means we can get a little more adult, but it also means that we can give a particular spin to it because the continuity of black label is not really set in stone. Some uh, different takes on characters are done here in an out-of-continuity style. And Tom King has probably been like, one of the most consistent creators when it comes to Black Label, of course, Mr. Miracle from a couple of years back. It was fantastic. And then you had Strange Adventure, which wrapped up a year and a half ago. And that was really good. And now we've got The Human Target. Just like Mr. Miracle and just like Strange Adventure, it takes major characters in the DC Universe that are more, I'd say, you know, C-level. And, you know, does a very distinct stylized story. Of course, the Mr. Miracle one kind of focused on mental health. The Strange Adventure was a takedown piece on what, what would be considered a, a major hero, his, his slow fall. And this one is a straight-up noir to the sense that it has all the facets of classic noir. You have someone trying to figure out a murder. But it's Christopher Chance, the human target, who's trying to figure out that murder. And the murder just happens to be his own. Because what happened was is that he took a job. Sometimes he needs to make money, so he took a job for Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor wanted him to pose as Lex at a big event to suss out a potential assassin. And he took the job, 
Now you did it. And of course the assassin was caught and all went well. But just before that, he had a little drink of coffee that was meant for Lex. And in that was a very hard to find poison that could not be detected by Lex's people that got through. And so a poison that was intended for Lex ended up with Christopher Chance. And through a series of events on that day, he became less susceptible to the poison, so it didn't kill him instantly. Instead, put him in a position where he has 12 days to live. And so he decided with those 12 days, he's going to find out who murdered him. And as we go through each chapter, it's not a by-the-numbers mystery where it gets predictable. We get to see a facet of each featured co-character in every issue, but... It's never obvious where this is going. I had read this series originally, issue by issue, and uh, even giving it a, a reread in its entirety before we sat down to record today, it's not a straight A to B. It does keep you guessing, and uh, I enjoyed that. One of Tom King's fun facts is, uh, in a past life, he, he was an ex-CIA operative, no joke. So yeah. this guy's about procedure and process and the thinking man's game. So while it's a fun read, it's a challenging read too to hang in there and try and put these clues together as he's putting them out there for us. Right, right. Because again, as you said, it's not a traditional mystery. It very much follows instead the case of Noir where basically you're not following some detective who's you know, gallantly looking for the answers. You're following... Someone who lives in the gray. There are no heroes and villains in a noir story. And so to actually take characters from the very colorful superhero world of DC and put them into a noir universe where none of them are necessarily good people. And so what happens is, is that Dr. Midnight, who's the one that figures out that uh, Christopher Chance has been poisoned by this very specific poison that's slowly killing him, he also notices that there is a certain particle that's attached to the uh, the poison. And the particle is something that shows up very rarely and is only attached to a certain group of people, a certain group of heroes who went on a very specific mission to a specific dimension. And so those people were the Justice League International. Because of that particle being on the poison, Christopher knows, okay, it's got to be somebody who was in Justice League International, that handled the poison and that tried to kill Lex. So, of course, he then starts working out motives. But because of that, he's presented with a lot of these members from Justice League International. And as you said, a number of them show up as guest stars in each individual issue, with the exception of one, Ice, who's our femme fatale of the story, who basically decides she's going to help Christopher Chance find the killer but secretly because she's trying to protect someone. And Chance knows that right away. And so we get to see these very alternate versions of the JLI in this very noir-type universe. So it's like when we meet Blue Beetle, he's someone who is kind of still obsessed with being a hero, but is almost kind of... It's like a kid's game to him. He's not doing it necessarily to be just to be a gallant hero, but because... It's part of his rich, lavish lifestyle. 
you got Booster Gold, who's kind of become very much a uh, a scam artist. He's trying to make his next big batch of money by doing something crazy, and is not the brightest at it. You've got Fire, who's also another very femme fatale type character. She has motives, and she's trying to uh, probe Christopher Chance for what he knows and what he doesn't know. You've got Guy Gardner, who is probably the most like his character in the regular JLI, but still is kind of turned way up to be that heavy from a noir tale of the, the jealous ex-boyfriend type. And then you've got ones that, you know, little pop-ins from like Martian Manhunter, who are very much playing noir archetypes, but not necessarily playing how they would regularly be featured in a DC comic. So you get all these little appearances. It's like you're watching like the Maltese Falcon or something like that, but you just take out all of the players and replace them with DC characters. And it gets fun where even characters that might've been throwaways like uh, Rocket Red, part of a Soviet Iron Man Corps, in the issue where he's featured and shows up, you, you see that this is a guy who thinks very highly of the time he spent in the JLA and the friends he made in it. There's a, a point where we are led to believe that Guy Gardner has been killed, and when no one has heard from him for a while, someone who was typically portrayed as uh, the silly Russian trope, from the 80s is a solid team guy who who, who loves his ex-teammates and, and wants answers and justice for them. Before we go any deeper with the story, Andrew, I, I have to give some props to the artist for this series, Greg Smallwood, because when I think of the word noir, certain images and looks come to my head. Like you've mentioned the Maltese Falcon, which is a prime example of a noir film. But uh, the art of Greg Smallwood covers and interiors of this entire series. I'm constantly reminded of, uh, you can Google this, folks, just 60s pulp spy novels that you'd, you'd find on, on the rack of drugstores or, or in the airports that just have this generic but intriguing look, especially if you were a younger kid looking at these. You'd have your leading man, often collaged with some of the major points of what happens in the story. There's a certain grittiness to it. You've got the femme fatale off in one corner, a little alluring cheesecake for folks that are drawn in from that angle. But it feels like a throwback to me, but in a very good way. I loved this guy's art for this story. And I'll also mention his portrayal of Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner, for those of you not 100% familiar with him, is, is a redhead. But the way this guy chooses to draw him is how I would say, if in some alternate universe, if Archie Andrews grew up to be a superhero, not the pure heart guy that he is in some of the, the Riverdale comics, but just became a, a real hero but was still somehow a jock and a jerk who hadn't let go of glory days, his own imagined glory days when he was younger. It's a certain look to Guy Gardner. I know that's who I'm looking at, but I've never seen him portrayed quite that way. Yeah, no, the uh, the takes on these characters are really well done and got the signature style. And very much, yes, has kind of like the pulp 60s kind of feel to it. I kind of feel like the human target in this kind of looks like 
Parker meets James Bond. Yeah. Where he's kind of, he's got the grit of Parker, but he's got the sleekness of James Bond. But clearly a slightly older gentleman. Yeah. Think George Clooney, maybe 10 years ago when he was still making new films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely like that. But uh, for me, the one characterization that I felt like, wow, he did an amazing job on was Ice. She is the perfect femme fatale because she's at one moment sweet and caring at the next moment like a sex pot. You know, it's like you look at her and she could, you can see how she could easily seduce Christopher Chance or any man she wanted. But there's also still like a genuine, authentic kind of down-home girl to her as well. So she plays both sides of the line with this. And you can see both sides within the drawing that uh, Greg Smallwood does. Because like later on, when Fire is introduced to the story, she also is very femme fatale. But none of that like hinges of like sweetness are there. Whereas like if Ice was to tell you this is what happened, you'd automatically believe it. With Fire, the way she's drawn, you'd think, well, you're working at an angle. You know what I mean? Another surprise nugget that's dropped there is when we're, we're shown that during the height of this uh, JLI that Fire and our boy John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, had a bit of a thing. Uh, and and that, that spices up uh, some background details of the story. But not just dropped for, for titillation's sake that functions towards part of the plot at the end there without going as far as to spoil it for anyone who'd like to go ahead and read it after listening today. Ice, uh, another aspect I liked there is we get a glimpse of, of just how powerful she truly is. Two superpower sets, and I don't make fun because as a kid I would have loved to have either of these power sets, but there seems to be, both in DC and Marvel Universe, a ton of extra characters out there who have ice slash cold or electrical powers. And you got people at the top of the pyramid who, who really wield it and can really do a lot of damage with it, but then you have a lot of jokers out there that just don't live anywhere near up to their potential, and it's a yawn, and if they're there as a villain, they're, they're put away by the hero pretty easily. And with Ice, she might have been at the softer end of the spectrum, but, but by the end of this, you see that she's essentially an ice god who plays possum. If it suits her to be sweet and innocent and to have a low-level display of her powers to get the job done, so be it. But she really has uh, some serious power and control of it at her disposal. Yeah, and what I like, I like about that is also that the characters here of the JLI are shown to have the secret, the thing they're not telling you. And that's nothing new when it comes to the JLI. Like over the past 20 years, there's been multiple series where they've been like, here's the story you didn't know about the JLI, the secret they all share. What I like in this is... Each one of these characters has a secret, but it's their own. They're each shown as individuals, whereas in the past 20 years, the kind of rewriting of the JLI has been like, it's the kooky JLI that has like a, ooh, a serious underbelly you didn't know about. And they all are kind of like this group. Whereas this, we see them as individuals showing that, no, no, they were that crazy kooky, like throw themselves into the face of death because everybody thinks they're a joke type team. But because of that, they are now something different. 
they've all been affected by that in some way now in the future. These characters are just so three-dimensional shades of gray with like levels of darkness that I didn't think, you know, would come up with something like a team like the JLI. Again, taking what essentially a group of third stringers and giving them this like really, really interesting backstory. And then doing the same thing with Christopher Chance. Of course, we've known him for years as the guy who will take the hit for you. But in this, we actually get a really cool like redissection of the origin of his powers and the origin of who he is. Like smack dab in the middle of the series, we get this one issue where it kind of goes back on like him reminiscing about him learning how to use his powers, but also the reasons why. You don't really get this depth with these characters in any other story. And the fact that it's a 12-issue series and it covers the 12 days and there are so many twists and turns and as you're reading it, each issue, you're amazed at how much one man can pack into a day. But it works out and in the end, it's such a tragic story of like love and people that no longer live by the rules. People that don't live in our society normally. And you think about it, if you lived in a world where you had superpowers and you did a bunch of crazy stuff, eventually you would live in a very different world than, say, you or I. And they really explore that, as a noir does, because noir, it's always tragic, dark characters living in a world that is like ours, but not. Tom King does a great job of doing that here and really brings an extra layer of humanity to these characters, but also makes you feel so sorry for them. None of them are heroes in this story. None of them are really villains. They're just people. And they're people that have maybe gone too far astray. The crooks of the story, the the poisoning, it, it's already in motion. And we're just seeing how everybody reacts to that. I'll tell you right now, if I had 12 days to live, I'd want to spend it with ice. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, 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 that strongly supports the whole not feeling sorry. Yeah. <laughs> For somebody bit of business <laughs> especially if you see the way she's uh drawn in this so well by mr smallwood well it's it's not a guest spot for me if if, if you don't have a few sidebars andrew and i'm, I'm just gonna th- throw this one out there for okay. folks who want to look it up you usually do a lot of best of lists at the end of the year different things uh, that you, you, you've appreciated mm-hmm. uh, in terms of stories or what certain creators out there have done. In the issue that of this Human Target series that features uh, yet another member of the Green Lantern Corps, Nort. Nort, yeah. Uh, for folks who don't know him, he's a dog man. You can almost hear his voice when you read in the balloon. You expect him to have that, that, that dopey, almost like, like, say, goofy from disney would have uh, not not a very smart guy but 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 a heart of gold and somehow representing his sector his his people his species he he was given the ring but anyway in the the nort issue andrew's known me for a long time i've got a dark sense of humor humor i'm not generally a laugh out loud guy but this was hands down the damn funniest panel for me in comics of the last calendar year where uh, they end up paying a visit to the guardians on Oa. And anyone who knows the green lantern mythos knows that uh, the guardians are the little blue men who kind of are the bosses of the green lanterns and set the rules for them. 
admonish them. There is a surprise panel in there where Nort, who you expect to be Mr. Goofy, lovable, trusting guy, they get caught looking at something they're not supposed to by a guardian, and rather than explain things, uh, the next panel is this foot that's obviously belonging to Nort kicking one of these guardians yes. and knocking him unconscious. And that's where my sense of humor runs. I'm all about audacity. So I'm not finding it funny that a little blue person is getting kicked in the face and knocked out. But if you know the deal with the guardians and that someone, okay, fuck it, we're not going to try and reason with this guy. We need to get out of Dodge fast, solves an on-the-spot crisis by kicking him in the face and knocking him out. I think I'm going to put that panel on a T-shirt and wear it around uh, the, the next comic event. And anyone who's read and appreciated this series is going to share that giggle with me over and over again. Yeah, you know, sometimes if you run around being a, a dick that thinks you control everything, you're eventually going to get kicked in the face. That's just the way it is. Oh, man. But yeah, Nort was used really well uh, as a part of levity in the series, um, which had been pretty serious for the most part. But to actually have that moment of levity was great. The pacing in this book is amazing. The characterization is amazing. The art by Greg Smallwood is amazing. Tom King, once again, like, if you give him a black label title, he's going to kick major ass. Like, again, this is a great follow-up to Strange Adventure and Mr. Miracle. And uh, it's, like, some really good stuff. So if you're looking for a good read that's a lot of fun and is drawn beautifully... You're going to want to pick this up. Yeah, Human Target. The Volume 1 is available right now in hardcover. Volume 2 is coming out in June in hardcover. So you'll be able to, And I think probably probably in the next six months, they're going to put all 12 issues together in one hardcover or, or trade as well. And, of course, all the, the issues are available digitally right now. So definitely go check it out. It's a good read. I knew that it was one that Adam would enjoy as well. So I was like, I kind of, when I asked him if he was going to do this episode, I kind of had the feeling he'd already read it, and he did. So there you go. So Adam, I want to thank you for coming back on, man. Tell the good folks if you know if they have any questions about uh, the Human Target or the JLI, where they can find you. If you can look past the problems that uh, Twitter has been uh, encountering in the last half a year or so, uh, I'm still at Adam Sakura seventy one. And uh, yeah, if you can get your hands on the Human Target, give yourself the time to read it. And then take your time reading it. It's very rewarding. If you want to find me, you can find me at uh, geekartshow.com. We have all of our stuff there, including this very show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at geekart. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. But of course, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And of course, while you're there, leave a five star rating and review. And you know, of course. You can always email us at geekcartshow at gmail.com. Put back as your bloodbath in the subject line and let us know what books you want us to talk about. And then after you've done all that, take a moment, breathe it in, read a comic like The Human Target like you would get into a warm bath, calm yourself, and then go tell somebody to read comics and listen to back as your bloodbath. You thought I was going to say tell somebody you love them, but no, no comics are more important this has been back issue bloodbath i've been andrew young and i was adam sakura have yourself a good <laughs>